Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. How's it going, Derek? Fantastic. Anything new happening? Well, uh, this week the parks are starting to open, backcountry only. Back so I'm, I'm apprehensive, I'm excited, and uh, I, I'm hoping that they didn't open the backcountry up to the uh, mosquitoes and stuff. I hope it's just open up to campers, and if that's so, then uh, I'm, I'm gangbusters, I'm in there. But uh, I just have to check the fine print to see if they uh, open it up for uh, mosquitoes and black flies. I don't know if they, they've allowed those in, into the parks yet. Well, last I heard they weren't going to let them in, but you know they always sneak in anyway. Yeah, 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 I know. You're they, getting They don't in. follow rules very well. No, no. They really don't care. <laughs> uh, you're looking You're looking at to go out? Yes, I'm, I'm going to try and do just a one or two night trip. I'm just going to keep it uh, fairly close. I'm going to hit the base of the Algonquin Park and... And uh, so either there's like there's like one, two, three, four entry points just along the base, mm-hmm. you know, King's, Kingscott, uh, High Falls, and uh, oh, there's another one just up further. I can't remember the name of it right now, but I'm going to do something along that lines. It's uh, oh, I noticed that the booking is different now. So I did so I was looking at backcountry booking because uh, I'm looking at booking. Uh, uh, Tomogamy with uh, Mike Burns, mm-hmm. and uh, I can only book two weeks out for that just because of the area. But with Algonquin, all the campsites are numbered, and you select a specific campsite for booking. I booked a couple of different weeks in Algonquin, and I didn't have to book by campsite. Oh, yeah? Yeah. When did you book it? Uh, up in Tuesday. Oh yeah, I was just mm-hmm. looking at it last night, and uh, so like one of the the island or the the west side of Kingscott Lake is campsite number one forty five, and I click on it, and I could pick one night, two nights. It's like, Whoa. I did. Yeah, I never. I did it by lake. I know when when you go into the online, you do like Ralph Bice's Lake fifty four. Yeah. So you click on that, hmm. but I didn't see cool. anything about clicking or uh, or. Uh, a per site thing. I'll have to look again because maybe I was looking at it wrong because I was just in a rush. I was trying to trying to see what's available, but because my main focus was tomogamy and stuff, right? So yeah, yeah. No, I've booked a week in, uh, or sorry, not a week. I've, I've booked four days on Bice Lake in June and another four in August. Oh, okay. So, so you, for Bice, it was the entire lake. You didn't wasn't yeah. per campsite. Yeah, I get the entire lake. So for those yeah. four days each, those two months, no one else is allowed on my lake. <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah that's the way it works now buddy that is yep. the way it works uh yeah no no you just go online and you click like they the lake has a number so mm-hmm. i just i just click the little uh triangle there click that and it brings up all the information this is ralph bice lake formerly known as uh eagle lake or butt lake and uh what days you want and you add another day add another day add another day sort of thing and then yep okay check out register and all that and but yeah it never gave me an option to pick a site Hmm. unless it just automatically defaulted for a site and i didn't see anywhere to pick a site but no no yeah no it didn't give me the option there was no options you don't know what you're (laughs) smoking something buddy maybe maybe uh yeah so i i've booked that already but yeah, happy that everything's uh, opening up. So yeah, if you can get out this weekend, then I'd say go for it. Yeah, it's it's been a while since I've 
it's just I, I'm gonna just want to do a solo trip and I wasn't gonna do it and then my wife says no go 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 it's like why are you so excited to get me out of the house <laughs> so <laughs> fine <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. highly suspicious <laughs> yeah and they're all gonna have a party going oh my god thank god he's out of the house I thought he'd never leave yeah, <laughs> yeah. party he's gonna be drinking your kids are gonna be dancing and hooting and hollering and yeah oh you're right so uh you can at the walk-in is 156 king's coat lake itself where there's multiple sites mm -hmm. you uh you, yeah it's picking a lake so king's cut is uh the camp the the lake number is 145 so yeah i yeah. was uh, yeah so billings is one diamond and branch is one diamond buyer's lake is one diamond yeah so it's um there we go you thought you were wrong, but you were mistaken. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I've booked. So, yeah, I'd, I'd book if I were you because uh, I think come the weekends, people are going to just start heading up there. Mind yeah. you, check the weather first. Well, I, I was looked at the long-range forecast. It's uh, cloudy with showers right the middle of the week, but uh, by the time the weekend comes along, it's it just says cloudy with no rain. Yeah. But, you know, you it know, changes. It's, it's, uh, it's like uh, shooting darts at a dartboard, the forecasting weather, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you haven't done any paddling since, the, or yet, right? No, no. Yeah. Well, not outside the house. <laughs> he's, sitting, <laughs> he's sitting in his tub pretending. <laughs> <laughs> the back pond. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually got out this weekend for five uh, hours. Yes, I saw the pictures online. Yeah, I, Good for uh, you. Even took the canoe pole. Yeah. And uh, went down to Rotary Park and I'm sitting there thinking there's something I'm forgetting. And when I got home and I looked at my sunburned arms. <laughs> First oh, yeah. sunburn of the season. All right. Awesome. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah, five hours in the sun will do that to you. Yeah. Yeah. Good thing I had my hat on. Uh, no, you know what? I, I wanted to take a check up the river there, see how far I could go. I threw the, the pole in as well because I knew farther up when you get close to the um, golf course. That it tends mm -hmm. to get a bit uh, um, shallow. So I took the pole up and uh, I'm glad I did. But, um, of course, the first time you're doing anything for the season, you're finding all the muscles that you haven't used. And um, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> as I said to somebody, it's uh, uh, I'm glad nobody was watching me use a canoe pole for the first time this season because <laughs> I look like an old guy molesting a stripper pole. <laughs> what is that man doing for that pole? <laughs> oh, the poor pole. Somebody go rescue it. Uh, but no, you know, once once you get some nice solid ground there, like with some depth to the gravel and whatnot, yeah. firm, more firm ground, and you can push off. And everything. Oh, man, I was just cruising. But a lot of the bottom is about an inch and a half of gravel with gushy mud and stuff underneath. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there, when you get close to the riverbank, though, you could use the riverbank to, to push off and stuff like that. It's quite firm. But, yeah, a lot of the bottom is just muddy, sandy, and, and the pole just sticks right in. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like, oh, there's a couple of points where give a nice push and then you, you have to yank the pole out and it sort of stalls your momentum a bit. And <laughs> yeah. It was a bit of a fight. But, no, I made it up quite the ways. I was uh, It was five hours on the water going up and down that river. Nice. Met a couple of people and that uh, I'd met at our uh, film festival and whatnot. So uh, they were kayaking up. And for anybody that's in the Ajax area paddling out of Rotary Park, if you can make it all the way up to 
where the Duffins Creek meets Highway 2, apparently there's a funnel cake truck. <laughs> and I saw pictures of these funnel cakes. I'm thinking, I should have just driven there afterwards. <laughs> Forget paddling that far. I'll save me some energy and just go eat funnel cakes. Yeah, so you didn't go massive. off and get yourself a funnel cake? No, no, I, I, I had other things going on to do as well. So uh, by the time I got back to the truck, I'd missed a few phone calls and texts. Are you home yet? And, no, I took longer than I said I was going to take because, you know, I always do. Um once you get it, yeah, I'll be back in a couple of hours. Ooh, what's farther up this bend? What's around this bend? It's just like fishing. My last cast, 12 casts later. Yes, exactly. You know, uh, so yeah, so no, I, <laughs> I figured, you know, I better get home or, you know, face the wrath. Um, no, but yeah, that was, it was a good day. It was a good day out on the water. I definitely needed to get out on the water and, and get the paddle in the, in there and check out some of the, the new river bends. Ooh, there's one tree. Just below Bailey, so if anybody that knows Rotary, uh, sorry, Duffins Creek, uh, just below Bailey, there's a tree across. And it is probably about an inch and a half, two inches higher than my canoe. Oh, yeah? So I got a bit of, coming back, it was a lot snazzier looking. Uh, but you get up under the tree, you throw one leg, you stand up in your canoe, throw one leg over the tree, throw the other leg over the tree so that you're standing back in your canoe, uh, push off from the tree, sit down and keep on paddling. But when you're coming back with the current. Oh, there's not as time, much time to think. So you it's quickly like, throw whoa. that first leg over, second leg <laughs> over, you're standing, you sit down and grab your paddle. And there was another canoe coming the other way and the lady at the front just starts applauding. <laughs> it looks so snazzy. And I had to say, I've been standing my canoe, canoe polling today, so it wasn't as good as it actually looked. Because, <laughs> you know, if you've been sitting all day, you're getting that, oh, yeah, creak sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I'd already been up and down on the canoe like 20 times. So, you know, I'd already had that practice of the day, knew where my balance points were, everything. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I st stood straight up, one leg over, next leg over, sit back down on the other side of the tree and off I went and ooh that looked snazzy <laughs> thank you thank you very much <laughs> so did you see a lot of people on the water yeah surprisingly um surprisingly there was a uh, was a lot of people on the water and it was later in the day too because I had planned to get up early and the weather was rainy and whatnot I'm like oh man I'm just not in the mood for that and then it started yeah. clearing up and I'm like okay well off I go uh, and as I'm putting everything on the truck, a neighbor of our, a friend of ours came around the corner and we chatted for about 40 minutes. So that put oh. me even later because we haven't, I haven't actually talked to them in probably three years. Cause they're, they're, I shouldn't say that they're our neighbor. They're people we know in a, another part of our subdivision. Our kids went yeah. to school together sort of thing. Uh, so there was another 40 minutes off and, oh, so yeah, <laughs> you know. It happens. It stretches out the day. It, it exactly. really does. So yeah, yeah. The, the whole, all those plans I'd planned to get done on Sunday, um, not all the plans happened. No. No, <laughs> not everything. So it was. I know how it's like. It was good. We still had fun. We got gardening done. We yep. got lawns go. mowed. We got a new bird feeder or uh, bird bath that a we squirrel and garden. one bird was liked. You planted your garden. Yeah. What are you growing? Um, let's see. I've got some uh, dill, basil, basil, uh, 
beets, spinach, lettuce, romaine, both romaine and and uh, like a red leaf lettuce, beans, uh, peppers, pumpkin. Good God, it's lots of tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. it's quite the plot of, uh, and plus the chives that we have that come up every year. Right. It's uh, quite a little crop this year. Yeah, we're doing nothing but flowers, apparently. Hmm. Flowers. We did everything from seed, but I think we started a little late, but uh, we had been waiting for the final frost of May, and then it got hot, so I could have planted early, but you know, you don't want to plant before the frost, mm -hmm. but then the frost never happened. Yeah. So we were, but you know, a lot of the stuff we planted is uh, like the spinach and uh, stuff like that is a, like you can plant it again in July for a second crop type thing. Right. Yeah. So it's not too late for that stuff, but I don't know how the tomatoes or pumpkins are going to fare. Is yeah. there, it's, it's, but we still planted in May. Yeah. So maybe it'll be a long <laughs> summer. It'll still be warm. You get that extra little yeah. bit. And, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, all you can do is wait and see. Better than not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How exciting. The kids are yeah. excited. Good. Good. Um, other than that, hasn't been a lot going on. I'm doing a lot of work and, and whatnot. Still stuck in my basement. <laughs> you know. Uh, do my yeah. walks and, like I say, got some paddling. I definitely need to get out and do some paddling. I yeah. did talk to people, though, this week. Did you? Yeah. So I ended up doing a couple interviews this week during the day because people are sitting at home during the day looking for things to do. Uh, mm -hmm. so I ended up doing a couple of interviews. Uh, I didn't actually think they'd take this long, but they're quite interesting. Uh, yeah. the first one, I talked to Jillian Burt, the executive director at Project Canoe. Uh, we'd mentioned Project Canoe on one of our podcasts like three yes. and a half years ago, sort yeah. of thing. Uh, they're doing a thing now because they're, they, uh, do work with underprivileged kids, stuff like that, getting them on canoe trips and stuff. Um, it sounds like they're almost the same sort of thing as, uh, the Chicago Adventure Therapy Group. Yes. Uh, but for, for Toronto. Yeah. yeah. And we've interviewed them, I think twice now. Yeah. Yeah. The last couple of years yeah. at the, uh, mm -hmm. outdoor, um, yeah. um, uh, sort of the quiet, quiet, uh, adventure show. Um, yes. so yeah. So I was chit chatting with her. They're doing a new event called Camp In because they're all non, like they don't get a lot of funding. It's all donation all that sort of stuff. And this being the time of year where they're doing their big events that people come and participate yep. and donate. Well, they're not happening. So I sat with they got this, uh, this thing called camp in that they're uh, looking at doing. And she was talking about that. And they, and also about what project canoe is and what they do and what they offer and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. So here's my interview with Jillian Burt, executive director of project canoe and we'll first we'll go to a commercial and come back with that. Hi, this is Derek Sprest. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find out more by checking us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page for our website, where all our podcasts are available for download or streaming. We love to hear from our listeners. So if you have a suggestion for the show or want to let us know how we're doing, please drop us a line. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. 
Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Uh, welcome back. Uh, we have today a guest with us. Uh, we talked about Project Canoe on our show probably two, two and a half years ago. We thought it was a really good cause, um, getting youth out there, because as, as Derek and myself both have kids, one of the things that uh, we're, we're really excited about is getting our kids out into the wilderness, into canoes, paddling. Um, you know, it, it's great to live up in a city, but to get back to nature, that sort of thing. Uh, I myself grew up outdoors all the time. And it's just something that's ingrained and, and I myself feel every kid should have that opportunity. Project Canoe gives um, those children the, uh, the opportunity to get out there. Uh, and with us today is Jillian Burt, the Executive Director of Project Canoe. Jillian, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Sean. It's great to be here. Uh, so give us a, an outline. What exactly is Project Canoe for those people that don't know? Yeah, so Project Canoe is a registered charity based in Toronto. Uh, we were founded in 1977, and we offer therapeutic and educational outdoor programming for youth who are facing barriers. Um, and the therapeutic and educational outdoor programming, the core program offering that we have is our, our wilderness canoe tripping program. And we focus on youth, like you mentioned, Sean, um, who wouldn't otherwise have access to experiences like this uh, due to a number of barriers they face in their lives and those barriers could be social economic uh, mental health barriers um, and other contributing factors that would prevent them from accessing the transformative power of, of outdoor programming and in our in our program uh, we work with youth on a on an individual level and in small groups to help them develop valuable life skills such as resilience self-esteem empathy environmental awareness uh, and really support each youth as they as they work towards their individual goals and uh, becoming the best versions of themselves. Well, you definitely need to give them the leadership and you got to give them the opportunities. Um, and yeah, you know what, getting them outdoors, um, when, when you're on a canoe trip, one of the things you have to learn is the leadership, working in, with team members, um, and then, yeah, learning the basics of outdoor um, survival, tripping, camping, canoeing, it all builds up and, and I, in my opinion, makes you a better person as you grow older. Yeah, definitely. And there's there's something to be said about, about challenges and overcoming adversity. Um, and those are so present, as you know, in, in a wilderness canoe trip, there are challenges that hit you left, right and center. Um, but overcoming those challenges and doing so in a supportive environment with a, with a really great group of, of peers and, and leaders um, helps you realize new capabilities that you have. And you start to recognize, and we see our youth start to recognize, oh, hey, I made it through that two-kilometer portage. It was really hard. I stopped at the, in the middle, and I thought I wouldn't be able to keep going, but... My group supported me and I got to the end of the portage and I made it and I did it and I overcame that challenge. And how can I apply that to my everyday life? Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So there's valuable life lessons to be to be learned from a portage and from from other things you find on a canoe trip. Yeah. And and that's the, the important thing, like you say, is how can I apply that to my everyday life? You know, and the big thing is gaining the confidence in yourself that, you know what? there is adversity, but I can get through it. 
um, not giving up. You know, that's that's a big thing because you know I've been on long long trips where there's days that are just like, why am I even doing this sort of thing. Um, so if we can teach them early, you know what, like, yeah, you know what, it's, it's hard right now, but with a little bit of effort and, and, and commitment, you can, you can get through that. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's on an individual and also on a collective level. I mean, relationships are so important Mm -hmm. out there, um, and supporting youth and developing healthy relationships and supporting each other and, and developing stronger senses of empathy and understanding of where each individual comes from. Um, is, is so easy to translate into into other aspects of life. Right. That's awesome. That really is. Um, now, is it just the Toronto area or all of Ontario that you, you take kids? Yeah, so we're based, we're based in Toronto, and we do a number of our urban programs in Toronto. And the majority of our youth do come from Toronto, but we also work with youth. We've had youth come to us from Sudbury and North Bay, um, over in London, Ontario, also further east. Uh, so we're open to youth uh, throughout southern Ontario, and we're, we're happy to work with them to ensure that, that they can access our program. Cool. That's cool. Now, yeah. you guys do, you have three different canoe trips that you take kids on. Mm-hmm. Uh, anywhere from a, a five-day to a 17-day trip which is pretty cool. Uh, if you want to give us a little bit of rundown on those, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. So our, our five-day trip uh, is the shortest one, and it's a good introduction for, for folks who may be a little more apprehensive about, about going on a canoe trip. I mean, it's a, it's a scary and daunting thing when you've, when you've never done it before. I mean, mm-hmm. many of our youth have, have never left the city before, and so even the bus ride up to Algonquin Park is a completely new experience outside of their comfort zone. Right. Um, but then we also we also have our eight day trip, which is is a little longer. And usually you start with the five day, and then the next year they'll go to the eight day. And then our longer trip um, is a fourteen to seventeen day uh, trip, depending on the year. Um, and this this summer we were supposed to have it up in Quetico Provincial Park for the first the first time. Wow. Um, and that has, due to obvious circumstances, been postponed till next year. But that is uh, a leadership program for youth who have been with us for, for a year or two and want to, to really hone in on their on their leadership skills and go on a longer trip. Um, right. and, and youth are given a high degree of agency and autonomy on all of our trips, but even more so on the leadership trip because they... Um, they put a lot of effort into collaboratively planning the trip and, and our trip leaders kind of take more of a step back and let, let youth take the reins. Well, that's, that's a pretty good way to do it because, you know, if, like I say, if you've been on a couple of the other, the smaller trips and have learned the ropes, then you know what, that's the next step is doing it yourself, you mm-hmm. know? So, and I mean, we, we've done that. We've all started out somewhere canoe tripping. I mean, I've been a hardcore canoe tripper for for over 25 years and it's I started somewhere you know guessing on a few things and you pick up the tips and tricks and people teach you this is how you do this this is how you do this till eventually you're you're doing all these trips yourself and you're taking people with you and everything's all planned um and again you can you can relate that into real life situations as well you know in your in your everyday life you know you get your organizational skills and and your leadership skills and everything from it and it it can really help you um, in your, in your regular day-to-day life. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's one of the things we've, we've brought our leadership program due to, due to, uh, COVID-19 and 
all of this, the whole situation that we're all dealing with. Uh, we brought our leadership program online, and so we're doing a 12-week leadership program that actually starts next week uh, on Wednesday. That's your new and, uh, virtual leadership program, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's for youth who were who were supposed to go on our longer leadership program this year, but we we aren't able to to bring them on that long right. trip this year. Um, but we're still working with them uh, and using this this program and this time to support them in developing mental health strategies, um, leadership and facilitation skills, some outdoor education pieces, and and the goal there is we're preparing youth to. Uh, become facilitators of of a new year round program. Cool. And so we're yeah yeah they've been I I know I am going to be co facilitating the program with our with our program director and it's great because we we know all of these youth and they and they know us and they've been with PC and we've we've seen them grow over the last couple of years and and now we get to work together um, over the next twelve weeks to to help further that growth even more. Oh, that's awesome. Because you got to think these kids that were looking forward to getting to Quetico and then all of a sudden, you know, C-19 happens and, and it's got to be disappointing for them. So, you know, all of a sudden you can offer something like this to keep them going. That's got to that's got to help. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a virtual leadership program is is not nearly as exciting about hopping on a plane and heading up to to Quetico. Yeah. Right. Um, but still still being able to work with them and and integrate our, our program philosophy and our program model into this new setting, everybody's everybody's really excited about it. We have we have a, a bunch of guest facilitators coming in um, to support them in, in developing in different areas. We've got I'm actually heading out over the weekend to to drive around and do socially distant deliveries of care packages for for each youth in the program. Right. Um, so yeah, we're. Like everybody, uh, we're adapting and we're we're supporting our youth and adapting to change as well, which is, when you think about it, the core to our programs. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool that, like I say that, you know, there's a lot of people, as we were mentioning before we came online here, you know, out of work and, and just sort of hanging out at home. But to be able to keep stuff like this going, you know, that's pretty awesome, especially when it comes to the outdoors and the leadership skills and, and whatnot. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's especially important for for our youth because many of our youth come to our program experiencing social isolation and anxiety and depression and low self esteem, and so the situation we're all in now mm-hmm. um, is is only compounding those issues for for our youth. And so being able to work with them in any way that we can, and we we've designed this program in consultation with them. Um, right, we've. We've asked them what they want, what they need from us during this time, and we've we've created this new program with them, with them in mind. Good, that's awesome. That that really is awesome. Uh, now, this is usually um, the time when you guys are doing fundraising and stuff like that to promote your projects. Because who, where do you get the the funding for your, for Project Canoe? Yeah, so we are our funding our sources of funding are, are quite diverse. We get from a get grants from a variety of generous foundations and corporate donors, um, but individual donors are one of our most significant forms of revenue. And like all all charities in the situation we're in now, um, we've lost significant forms. Right. Of revenue in the form of, of corporate donations. Um, and so we found ourselves right at the beginning of this really scrambling to figure out how do we stabilize ourselves? How do we ensure that we make it through this year and also are 
are in existence for for years to come. We've been around for over 40 years and we want to be around for for 40 more. Yes. Um, And so, like you said, normally we'd be ramping up to have our annual fundraiser in June. Mm and we can't do it the way that we we have planned, but we we are we we are committed to celebrating the start of summer together, um, even though we can't be physically together in the same place. And right. so we've launched an event called Camp In with Project Canoe, um, and it's a call to action for for folks to gather their friends and family and have have a, a virtual camp in. And in doing so, supporting Project Canoe. Um, so individuals and teams can sign up on, on our website um, and pick their own fundraising goal. We have a fundraising guide for, for people and a program guide if you need some ideas for, for what to do to host your event. Um, and all of the money raised will be going to supporting our, our youth now and in years to come to ensure that, that PC sticks around to, to support the youth who need it most. Yeah, that's you know what it's important to, to keep things like this going. There's not a lot of them, um, things like this still out there. It seems, uh, and this is going to be a really difficult time because you know, as we were mentioning earlier uh, offline, there we're both very lucky to be still uh, collecting a paycheck and and whatnot. And um, there's a lot of people we know that aren't. So I got to think that a lot of the people that would normally donate to to organizations such as Project Canoe are going to be holding those pennies a little bit closer to home this year because they can't afford the the donations themselves. Um, so anything you know that the paddling com- uh, community can do to get together and and help out is, is just going to be awesome because you want to keep seeing Project Canoe out there for years to come. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we and we acknowledge that it's these are challenging challenging times for everybody and and even more challenging for for certain people. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're in a, we're in a global economic crisis right now. Um, but what we we have seen and we're very thankful for is is people do want to continue supporting us. Right. Um, and we're I mean, community is the background of Project Canoes programs. We're a small grassroots, uh, very efficient charity who's been delivering high impact on a shoestring budget for for over 40 years now (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and we wouldn't be where we are today without without our community and uh the outdoor community and the paddling community is a huge part of that yeah um and especially now when when community support is needed now more than ever for charities and also for the youth that we work with um rallying the paddling community to support uh those who don't have access to the activities that that we all we all know and love and pursue um is a really meaningful meaningful way to give back at this at this time yeah everybody i mean i'm even sitting here and you know we have our chats with with my friends we all sit around and chit chat over you know the various forms of um uh, skypes and zooms and and everything else and we're all just chomping at the bit to get into the back country and do our canoe tripping right now and you know, like some people are getting, now we're allowed to actually, you know, there's some, some launches that we can get to and paddle local rivers or out on Lake Ontario or something like that. But to be able to get into the back country and, you know, take our regular one, two, three week trips, um, we're all just, just chomping at the bit to get out there. But as we're sitting here, you know, we can maybe help out, uh, organizations such as Project Canoe and donate some of that money that we're not spending <laughs> on these trips. <laughs> And uh, help you guys stay stay together, like you say, for another forty years. 
Um, so you have information here. There, there is a uh, a um, camp in uh, page which we will post on our uh, Facebook page and and other social media so that people can check out all the information on um, the camp in project and how they can donate and how they can get involved. Uh, I know there's some prizes that you guys have that people can uh, participate and win, sort of thing. Um, yes, there are. We have a, a brand new canoe um, up for up for grabs. We also have a gorgeous paddle. We have a, a Met gift card, um, a prize pack from Georgian Bay Spirit Co., and also a gift card from a great uh, barbecue restaurant in in Toronto. Um, oh, so a variety of prizes. Yeah. <laughs> barbecue, you got me now. <laughs> Another summer staple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and and to what you said, Sean, it's it's a great opportunity for folks like myself. I was looking forward to going on a on a trip this summer. Um, and I know a lot of a lot of other people were in in groups that they've been tripping with for for a long time. And so it's a great opportunity to to rally a team and put your put the park fees that you would have been spending or the the gear rental fees you would have been spending into ensuring that that um our young people get get access to these activities yeah you know that that cash goes into basically a, a bank account for future use for these kids to get out there you know mm-hmm. so that's perfect um if people want to find out more information about project canoe i know your website is canoe.org mm-hmm. um yep. facebook and everything yeah, so website is canoe.org, and there's a direct link to the camp in event on the homepage there. Okay. Uh, we're also on Instagram, Instagram at project.canoe, and then on Facebook at Project Canoe. Perfect. Uh, and like I say, when this, this uh, airs, we will uh, put all those links up on our Facebook page and everything and uh, so people can get uh, to those, those uh, pages and hopefully sign up and join up and donate and get, have some fun. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what this is all about. It's about it's about fun and community, and summer isn't looking exactly like we planned, but we can still celebrate the start of summer together. Yeah, I'm about ready to just go put my canoe in the backyard and just sit there for the day. I don't care what the neighbors think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why not? <laughs> start a little campfire next to it. You know, yeah, I'm yeah. camped here till fall, sort of thing. Yeah, uh, I, I aired out my tent in my in my living room a couple of weeks ago just to get it set up for the first time. <laughs> well, we we bought a brand new one of those uh, bug shelters um, to take on backcountry canoe trips, and yeah, now it's it's still sitting in a box just waiting to be used. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, you know what I'm I'm sort of gearing towards end of summer uh, tripping. Um, that's the earliest I think it's it's really gonna get started but we'll see hopefully sooner and uh we'll all get out there and and have some fun and we'll get out there when the bugs are gone yeah probably yeah <laughs> yeah september october <laughs> yeah <laughs> better late than never well that's exactly it that's exactly mm-hmm. it. as long as we can get on the water a couple of times we're all happy right and yeah, then the snows yeah. fall and then we start winter camping yeah exactly <laughs> Well, Jillian, I want to thank you very much for coming on and talking about Project Canoe and your uh, new Camp In project. Uh, if everybody, like I say, we'll, we'll put all the information up so people can check it out and uh, come check you guys out. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Sean. This was a great chat. Not a problem. Thank you for coming on. 
So the Project Canoe, that's, like I say, that's sort of got the the cat feel to it, the uh, Chicago Adventure Therapy Group. Uh, Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, I, I think organizations like that are amazing. It's, uh, it gets the underprivileged youth, uh, able to experience, uh, it's something that they get to experience that they wouldn't normally get to experience due to the, the nature of their, where they live and what they do. Right. Yeah. So it's, it, it potentially opens up doors for career, career opportunities or, or ways to get out of their situation that they're in or just opportunities to maybe become a guide or an instructor in the future. Well, and the it's, leadership skills alone that they teach yes. are, are huge, right? And yeah. yeah, like like I say, I mean, there was, in the interview she was saying, they were supposed to go to Quetico this year, and unfortunately with what's going on, that, that's not happening. But yeah. they're, they're still doing the virtual leadership course, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah, getting them out there and, and teaching them, you know, to, to do stuff in the wild, you know, that's pretty cool. And I mean... As I said, uh, you know, we've both got kids and, and whatnot and have taken them out and the kids just enjoy it. So, yeah. But this camp in project they're doing, that sounds pretty cool. Cause you know, they're, they're, like I say, this is their time of year where they're usually doing their events and people are coming out and buying tickets and, you know, they're, they're having a big dance or some social event that they, you know, for donations and stuff, but none of that's happening right now. So to be able to yourself or a group of people start getting donations, put them together and then. June 19th to 21st, you have your camp in event, you know, whether it's a bunch of your buddies hanging around a campfire in your backyard or a campground, you know, backcountry campground or something like that and raising funds between all of you, that sort of thing, and to help this this out. Uh, We will post the link to that on our Facebook page so that people can find out more information, both about Project Canoe and their their camp in project. Um, And hopefully people will... uh, uh, be able to throw a few shekels their way at least to help them out. Yes, it's a good cause. It really is. Uh, the other person that I had a chance to chat with, I, um, we were, my wife and I were at the Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show and she came up to me and she recognized me from my stunningly good looks <laughs> um, and said, hey, you know what? You guys talked about the Ontario Turtle Conservation Centre before. Well, I'm actually a volunteer for th- for them. Uh, she's a vet- veterinarian. And what happens is they bring the turtles to her on the west side of Toronto because she's out in the Guelph area somewhere. Okay. Uh, and then she looks after them. And then they have turtle taxis that will take them to the um, uh, turtle centre up uh, Peterborough Way. Yeah. So, uh, I learned a few interesting things about turtles and, uh, um, yeah, it was, it was a really, really a decent, um, chat I had with, uh, with, uh, it's, it, her name's, uh, Kirsten Gray, Graham May, Kirsten Graham May. Uh, yeah, I, I learned some really interesting things about, uh, tur- especially snappers. Um, the snapping turtles, I, I learned a few things about. So, uh, we're going to have a quick commercial. And then uh, we'll have the uh, little chit-chat I had with uh, Kirsten. So hang on, and that interview will be right up after this. Hey, this is Sean Rowley, and you're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. To find out more about us, check out our website, paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Current and past episodes of our podcast can be downloaded or streamed from iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page of our website. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, we would love to hear from you. 
so drop us a line on Facebook or our website. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. So with us this afternoon or this evening, we have Kirsten Graham May. Uh, Kirsten, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. One of the things that we always seem to find um, when we're on our canoe trips are turtles. And there's just something about turtles uh, that we just find fascinating. I don't know why, maybe because they look like dinosaurs or something like that. But <laughs> yeah. uh, you deal with turtles. Absolutely. Almost every day. So you're a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. You're a volunteer first responder for the Ontario Turtle Conservation Center. That's correct. And you're, But you're on the, the west side of Toronto. Yep. And the conversation... Uh, con- Oh, I can't even say that word now. Conservation Center is up in Peterborough. That's right. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what they do. Absolutely. Um, So I'll call them the OTCC for short, or the Turtle Center, just to keep our mouths not full of words. (laughs) Um, But what they do primarily is uh, focus on rehabilitation of turtle habitats, as well as operate a turtle hospital for injured turtles. Okay. And part of that hospital is also heavily involved in hatching eggs and releasing the hatchlings back into the wild. Um, So they kind of have three different sort of arms of their their role in uh, turtle conservation. Cool. Um, now I was doing a bit of research on turtles and I think it was the snapping turtle they were saying, uh, one of the pieces I was reading one in one per, less than 1% of turtle eggs actually hatch and make it. That's correct. Yeah. Um, they did a study a while back and it would take a turtle. I think it said 59 years in order to yep. have a one turtle. Uh, I think it was a snapper they were talking about. So yes. one turtle to replace it. Exactly. That's yep. a bit unbelievable. Well, that's why it's so important that every time you see an injured one or one in uh, distress or what have you, that you try to help it uh, when you can. Um, and that's why they invest so much energy into individual animals being rehabilitated. Right. Um, so you read the exact same study I did. And basically what it amounts to is that they're very slow growing creatures. And so they take up to 20 years to reach maturity where they can reproduce. And then on top of that, um, until that point in time when they're smaller, they're at high risk of predation. Once they reach reproductive age, they don't tend to be predated, um, but their eggs and the hatchling force go that same cycle um, where the nests can be destroyed by predators and that kind of thing or human activity. And so that's why it takes so long for one single turtle to replace itself. Right. Um, yeah, because I think a lot of people are like me. You say, oh, look at all the eggs it lays. It's going to have like 100, 100 new mm-hmm. turtles out there. And that's yeah. not the case at all. No, no, exactly. It's um, And even if the eggs are sort of 
incubated and hatched in a facility. Um, it depends on the facility's success rate. Some of them don't have super high success rates, uh, but the OTCC has a very, very high success rate of hatching the turtles and being able to release them. Right. I don't know the exact number, but they do quite well with them. Good. Uh, and then do they release them all over Ontario or just in certain spots? Uh, actually, they have to be released within a very small distance of where the mother was found um, for a number of reasons. Uh, one is they're trying to mimic the natural population, so they want to release them back in the location where that turtle originated from. Right. Um, and then secondly, not so much with the hatchlings, but if you have an uh, in the, the injured adult turtle, um, that turtle needs to go back where it was found um, because it carries a certain natural population of uh, bacteria and organisms on its body. Right. And so you don't want to introduce that population into a completely new environment because you could harm the rest of the turtles in the area. And vice versa, that turtle could succumb to um, an infection that is present in a different location that other turtles have developed an immunity to. Right. So there's a few reasons why they have to be released where they came from. Okay. Not just because that's where they came from. There's actually reasons for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Wow, that's cool. Uh, and you guys, keep, they keep track of all that sort of stuff. Yes. In fact, they've started microchipping them. I just learned this last year. Um, so even the little babies, when they're hatched, they, they don't try to release them until they're big enough to microchip. Um, okay. And then they go back out so that if they return injured or, or what have you, um, the turtle center can determine that this animal came from their f facility originally. Right. That's a pretty cool <clears throat> way to track it. Yes, exactly. Now, I know I've been canoe tripping through Algonquin Park, and especially in, I think it was Pog Lake, um, some, saw some turtles coming up, and they actually had uh, brass bands. Oh, um, really? Yeah, like looked like they were riveted to the back edge of their, their shells with numbers on it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so they could track those and, you know, oh, yeah, this one hangs around here and this one hangs mm. around there. Yeah, I don't know if that would be OTCC's work or another um, uh, sort of field work uh activity, but that's interesting. I've never seen that. Yeah, I would have to think that's an Algonquin Park um, conservation thing uh, with, with their own, because they got their own research biologists and everything up through there. So I got to think yeah. that would be them themselves doing that. Uh, just, yeah. you know, like I say, with when, when they're last, well, snappers, I think they said can last over a hundred years, mm -hmm. you know, so knowing right. oh, yeah, this, this one is like 75 years old now or something like that. Yeah. Cool to know, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They live a long time. Yeah. Um, now, uh, the Ontario Turtle Conservation Centre, uh, ontarioturtles.ca is their website. Correct. And they're located on the north side of Peterborough. Currently, yes, although they're building a new facility. I, yeah, I saw that they were building it. I just wasn't sure where it was going to be. I'm not sure where it is either. <laughs> I haven't been there yet. <laughs> I don't get there often. <laughs> They do allow public visits, though. I think I'm not sure what's happening with the the whole COVID thing right now. Yeah. I can't see them allowing them, but no. I know if you go yeah. to their websites, they do public visits. They do um, yeah. you can you can arrange a tour. They do school groups, all that sort of stuff. So yes, yes, they have a education team. Right. Um. That they can even do. I think they can even do virtual um visits to you know children's groups and that sort of thing right um they're pretty creative uh when it comes to that sort of thing and yes you can visit the facility although um typically they won't take groups into the actual hospital because there's it's very very crowded right um but they do have a really nice uh sort of lobby area with excellent displays and they have a few turtles there that can't be released back into the wild um that are part of their teaching teaching herd of oh, turtles perfect. if you will mm -hmm. yeah yeah 
Uh, yeah, you know, like I say, is I don't know what it is about turtles. That They're just adorable. People just seem to to like that, and, and some people, you know, like garter snakes. Uh, yeah. There's something with snakes. those people. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I don't do snakes. I only do turtles. Yeah, um, tur- turtles. Yeah. I don't. I don't mind. They're just, they're really neat animals, and they're, except for the snappers and the spiny soft-shell turtles, they're pretty easy to help, you know? Yeah. Um, snappers are a whole other ball game, but we can talk about that in a little bit, <laughs> but they're just, um, I don't know, they're so harmless, generally. Yeah. Um, I mean, you see them swimming under you nice and slow or sitting in the pond yep. or whatever, and I think it's the, the painted turtles we see as we're paddling by, and they're all sunning mm-hmm. themselves on the on the logs and whatnot. Yep. You know, it's, it's pretty cool just to see that sort of thing. Yes, absolutely. And it's not like they can run from you very fast, so you got a good chance of seeing something. Mm, they're faster than you think. <laughs> In the water, especially. <laughs> yes, and even on land, they, you'd be surprised at how fast they can be. Um, so what do you do for the center? Uh, yeah, so I they call me a first responder, um, which I always... Personally, I always wince a little bit at that title because I feel like that should be reserved for actual people who are doing wonderful things in the medical field. Um, but nonetheless, they call us first responders. Most of us are veterinarians, um, but not all. And we're located throughout the province, so we kind of act as a middle point for turtles that are injured um, that are far away from the center. Okay. Um, and so I can do basic care, uh, basic triage, pain management. Um, I can kind of bandage injuries uh, to the, the shells, and then uh, I basically wait for them to get a ride to the center. Um, and they have a network of volunteers. They call them turtle taxi drivers. <laughs> There's over 600 of them now, wow. and they are my favorite people because they come and take my injured turtles to the center, often within 24 hours of me receiving them. So I generally don't have them in my care very long, but I often have more than one. Right. That especially this time of year when everybody, you know, they're heading out on their trips and everything. Yeah. The, the uh, springtime roads start, you know, people are opening their cottages and heading out mm-hmm. on their camp trips. And um, yeah. yeah, I've seen it, you know, you, you see the ones, especially going through Algonquin Park on Highway 60, the the uh, left, the ones that are on the side of the road and stuff like that, ones that are trying to cross the roads, ones in the middle mm-hmm. of the roads. Um, we came across... We came around the corner and some lady jumped out in front of my truck. Oh boy. To, um, cause there was one on the road and she oh, tried goodness. to wave me off and I managed to dodge her and the turtle. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. That, you, you, you see people on the side of the roads, they're parked and you're like, what are you guys doing? And they're getting out and then they're lifting up yeah. the snapping turtles and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, this is the time of the year, especially where I'm sure you get a lot of turtles in. Yes, it's just uh, accelerating now. It's been a cooler spring, so it's not as rapid as it was last year. Right. Um, but right now, it's mostly the male turtles that are out. They're looking for girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then probably in another few weeks, we're going to start to see almost exclusively females um, because they're out trying to find a spot to lay their eggs. And they really like to lay their eggs on the side of the road because the the gravel is just the right texture and the heat from the asphalt um, creates the optimal environment for incubating eggs. Right. And so sometimes you'll see a turtle on the side of the road. It's actually not trying to cross. It's nesting. Yep. So the best thing to do, if you can, is to safely pull over a little distance away and watch for a few minutes. And if you can see that it's digging a hole or it's dug a little hole and there's a little mountain of of gravel behind it, I wouldn't disturb it at all. I would just sit and, if you can, sit and wait and make sure it 
once it's done, it moves off. But right. they can take hours, so you might not want to plan to do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're out right now for sure. Now, you you put a couple of, uh, when we were chatting there, you gave me a couple of things. Last year, or sorry, 2018, you had 50 turtles over the yeah. course of a season. What's the season? June till... Uh, uh, well, or I'd say April? it actually starts April till October sometimes. Okay. Um, and then the the year after that, I pretty much doubled my turtle intake. Um, I, I'm in an area where there aren't a lot of other first responders, and so I tend to get a lot of them. Okay. Um, but a colleague of mine just started doing it mid-season last year, and she lives half an hour from me. So we're kind of splitting the, the work this year, which is nice. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's still, that's still a lot of turtles. So if, if that's just from... Lot from your side of town yeah you know you got to think of what's um heading from the north and and the west and is, yeah. is there another turtle center in ontario or is this it um there's a number of um wildlife facilities and rehab type places that will take them um but the otcc is the the ex are they are the experts and quite often these um, wildlife facilities will take them in and realize this turtle really needs to go to the turtle center for um, sort of extra high quality care. Right. Um, so they're really the only one that will take the really difficult cases. Right. Now, do you know if they've gotten it now? We were watching, there's a couple of the uh, medical show, like vet shows that we watch on TV. Um, and the one, the turtle had got hit by a car and they did a 3D printing of a shell. Mm, cool. Have you guys, have they gotten into any of that? Do you know of? Not to my knowledge, but it wouldn't surprise me. Um, they often have little documentaries done on their work and, and, uh, so you could keep an eye out. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if we saw that in the near future. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. So that the, yes. you know, the turtle can keep on going with what the shell was supposed to cover. Yeah, um, absolutely. Very interesting. What happens when that, when the shell is removed, you know, and what, how everything mm -hmm. is just right there sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, the the most common or one of the most common injuries to snapping turtles specifically is um, someone comes around a corner like you were describing and suddenly there's a turtle there and you can't safely swerve and I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. So you, you try to straddle it, right? You think, okay, I'll straddle it. Maybe it'll be okay. But snapping turtles um, defense mechanism is to actually push themselves up like a, almost like a push up um, with all oh. four legs. Um, and they actually push the top of their shell right into the undercarriage of the vehicle. Of the vehicle. And so then the, there'll be a large patch of, of shell that's completely shorn off. Um, so we see that injury commonly in snapping turtles. Wow. I would did it not can know that. No. Yeah. And it can regenerate, which is remarkable. Oh. Um, takes time. It's, but the shell is the same material as our bones. And okay. so it heals just like a bone. So if, if it can be protected and kept free of infection and pain management, it will regenerate with given enough time. Right. Yeah. I've, I've never thought about the, you know, cause I mean, growing up with cartoons, you know, they'd stick their head, feet, tails, all yeah. in this little, and, you know, sort of shake like a dime on a, on a, on the road sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't think they'd push themselves straight up. Well, and the reason the snappers do that and also the reason they snap is because they're basically, I'll call them meatheads. Um, so their, their shell is abnormally small for the rest of their body. And so they actually can't fit inside their shell. Right. So if you talk about a painted turtle or pretty much any other species we have in Ontario, they can completely retract their limbs and their head and their tail inside their shell. Snappers can't. And so their defense mechanism is to lash out um, when they're scared or threatened. Right. Wow. Uh, and yeah, that's the one thing is everybody talks about with snapping turtles. When you pick them up, 
and, and whatnot. Um, <laughs> yes. So there are eight species of turtle in Ontario. Yes. Uh, let's see. There's the spotted, the wood, spiny soft shell, blandings, eastern musk, northern map, snapping, and painted turtles. Yes, well done. <laughs> I'm reading it off a piece of paper. Yeah, I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good thing this isn't a TV show. Um, <laughs> now, the spotted turtle I've never seen. Nor wood, have I. Wood turtle I've seen one. Mm-hmm. Spiny soft shell I've never seen. Um, I think the only ones I've, I've, the only other ones I've seen have been the snapping and painted turtles. That would, they would be the most common. They're yeah. the least, um, the least, uh, endangered in Ontario. Um. Yeah. So the spotted wood and spiny soft shell are endangered. Yes. Uh, Blandings, I believe is threatened. Correct. And the Eastern musk, Northern map and the snapping turtle are special concerns. Yes. But the painted turtle, they say, is not listed in Ontario. Um, no, but it is listed in Canada. So they, it's stratified by province and nationally. Okay. So painted turtle is a special concern nationally, but not provincially at this time. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, so those are, any of those, like I say, you, you, we, we talked earlier there, back in the day when I first started Algonquin Park uh, canoe tripping, they would say if you see certain turtles to report them. And we had seen the one wood turtle the one day and, and re, or on one trip and reported it. But I don't really hear much of that anymore, uh, reporting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know too much about it myself. I've never done it myself. Um, I haven't seen some of the rare ones that you have. Um, but yes, you, there are various uh, monitoring, monitoring programs you can report them to, as far as I understand. Um, so one is called the National Heritage Information Center, which is a a government-run program. And then the other um, is through the Toronto Zoo. They have a, a program called Adopt a Pond, and apparently you can report sightings there as well. Oh. Um, my recommendation would be, if you're in a park, uh, to contact the ranger's office or stop by the office on your way out and just say, hey, you know, I, I saw a woods turtle here, and they would be able to guide you on what organization or research group would like to know about that sighting. Right. Uh, the other, the only other one that I would think of would be the uh, MNR Ministry of uh, Natural Resources. Yeah, you could certainly try them as well, and they mm-hmm. may redirect you to a preferred uh, monitoring program. Yeah, because they're pretty cool to see something that's, uh, you know, like I say, the endangered ones. Knowing that there's by seeing one, you're thinking, ooh, you know, like maybe they're not as endangered as as they once were. Maybe they're coming back, or yeah, you get that little bit of hope or something like that. Absolutely. And plus the yeah. the added bonus of seeing something that not many people get to see, right? For sure, for sure. Uh, the most common type of injury to turtle besides cars, uh, boats and I'd say animals like dogs? Yeah, predation, um, especially when they're younger, uh, raccoons are, are quite bad at, um, they'll chew off a leg or something like that. Um, certainly boats, the propellers on the motors can be a problem. Um, fish hooks, um, yeah, those are kind of the big threats. And then, of course, cars and roads are by far the most. Right. Now, if someone happens to find an injured turtle, be it on the side of the road or middle of the road, what Absolutely. do they do? Yes, that's where that's where my uh, area of interest comes in place. So number one is do not 
put yourself in danger or others. So as much as you want to stop and help them, if you're on the boat or it's a, you know, the 400 or something like that, I would not pull over myself. I, I really wouldn't take that risk. Yeah. Um, it's just not worth it. Um, so if you do pull over safely and you do find one, the best thing is to try and put it into a container of some sort in your vehicle. If you have something you can put it in. Um, or worst case scenario, you can put them in the, the footwell of the passenger side if you don't have a passenger with you right. um, on your on your mat. And then uh, basically try to contact the Turtle Center as soon as you can. Um, they're open during the high season from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., seven days a week, even on holidays. Okay. And the, if you have an injured turtle, you have to telephone them. You can't email them. Uh, I'll give you their number, but you can get it on their website anytime. Sure. At 7, 705 seven four one five thousand and a really easy way to remember their number is to go onto their website ontarioturtle.ca and buy a nice little magnet for the back of your car that says i break for turtles and it's got the phone number right on it how convenient how convenient i know it's great <laughs> um or better yet program it into your cell phone and save it into your phone yeah. so what I always tell people is they're super busy there and, and they're run on a shoestring budget. Some people are there are volunteers. And so it's sometimes quite hard to get through. But you can leave a message and then just reassure yourself that you've got the turtle out of harm's way and that's helping. You don't need to do anything else with it. Don't feed it. Don't give it water. Don't put it in water. Just leave it be. Um, if you have a container, um, put some air holes in it and just puts a, like a loose towel or something over top or a lid and just leave it in the quiet. Um, if you're in the car, turn off your radio, anything to reduce its stress level. Right. Um, and just wait for the turtle center to get back to you. Um, I always tell, I, sometimes I get the actual people who find the turtles, we call them the finders, bringing me the turtles directly instead of a, a taxi driver. And the finders are panicked because no one's called them back. And I say, you know what? You've already done a lot by just stopping and getting it out of harm. And and it's you're not going to you know accelerate things by getting antsy about it. So just be patient. Um, and then uh, basically they'll direct you to either bring it to them if you're close enough or willing to drive that far, um, or they'll find you the closest uh, first responder that's available to take the animal. Right. Um, so I always let them know. I, one of most of my vacations are canoe trips, so completely off the grid. So I always let them know my schedule. I'm like, hey guys, I'm going to be up in Killarney next week. You're going to have to redirect turtles elsewhere. I won't be available. And uh, yeah, so they're pretty good at keeping track of where we all are at any given time. Cool. So there is there is a definitely yeah. Go to OntarioTurtles.ca uh, and get yep. the number, and um, you'll be able to call up and find out where to drop them off. Um, there was something else I was just thinking there and totally went out of my brain. That's okay. Uh, so yeah, so don't bring them to, oh, put them in a container, preferably with a lid and holes because apparently turtles can climb. Oh yeah. Especially That's what I was thinking turtles. of because I read that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Especially snapping turtles. They are remarkable climbers and uh, I've had a few get out in my car <laughs> over the years. <laughs> so yeah, they do. That would not be a good thing. Well, it just makes for some adventures. Yeah. So how do you deal with snapping turtles? Mm. I used to be petrified of them and now they're my favorite turtles to deal with. Um, so the trick to know about snapping turtles is their neck is very, very long, but they can only reach up to 50% back from the front of their shell. 
Right. So as long as your hands are more than 50% um, behind, like in the back end of the shell, the back half of the shell, technically they can't snap at you. Okay. Um, they also will only snap upwards and sideways. They won't snap down under their belly. Um, so again, the belly, anywhere under the belly is actually safe. Now, the other thing you have to watch for them is they can claw you pretty well. Um, yes. their, their claws are very sharp and they're very, very strong. Um, so I'll try to describe it to you. Um, there's a really good video. Well, there's a number of videos online, but the Turtle Center just put a really good video out of how to handle them, how to pick them up. Um, so they call it the pizza tray method or the, the, the pie tray method. And basically you take, if you're right-handed, you're going to take your left hand, and if you stick it um, just between the shell and the top of the left hind leg, there's a, a nice little gap under the shell, and you can get a really firm grip on the edge of the shell so they can't spin around. Okay. And the, the trick is to don't hesitate. Just go in and grab that shell, because once you, you stabilize them, they can't spin around and snap at you. Right. And then once you've got that grip, you slide your right hand right under the tail and right under the belly, and you can actually touch the front of their, sort of the lower end of their neck um, with your the tips of your fingers. And then you can lift them like, like you're holding a pizza tray or, or if you're delivering drinks on a tray or something like that. Okay. And they, they can't, basically, once you get them off the ground, their legs just hang over each side of your arm, and they, it's very hard for them to scratch you, and they tend to just give up. Um, they, they tend to not snap once they're off the ground. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is happening. <laughs> right. Um, and if you're really nervous, the other thing you can do is throw a, like a heavy towel or a, a jacket or something over their head, just toss it over their head. And once their head's covered, they can't see you coming. Um, and then sometimes it's just a little bit less intimidating if you're not quite ready to take them on with the element of surprise, as the Turtle Center likes to say. Right. <laughs> so they're actually not that hard to handle once you know the trick. If you're really uncomfortable and you're trying to move one across the road, um, you can also just get out um, your car mat, um, whichever car mat you wish, a bigger one, right. and kind of coax them onto the mat and then drag them across on the mat, and then you never have to actually touch them. Well, with my um, luck, he would bite the mat, and I'd end up dragging him across. That might happen. <laughs> Still better than nothing. Um, I also keep my little folding snow shovel in my car all year round for the odd snapper you know, if I'm, I don't know, if I'm going to a wedding and I'm dressed nice and I don't want to actually touch it, I'll yeah. use my shovel. Yeah. But I find it's easy just to grab it by with my hands. And move it to the side. Yeah, move it across. You always take them in the direction they're going. That's that's a piece I didn't know until I was older. Um, no matter how insensical it seems, you take them in the direction they're going. Because if you turn them around, they're just going to do it again. Right. Yeah, I, I've heard that one before as well. If they're heading away from the water, still let them go. And mm -hmm. just uh, head them across the road that way. That's right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, the snapping I've, I've yeah, because that, that's the one thing is like the, that long neck comes out and you're just like, oh, mm -hmm. they're going to get me. Well, and they're so, the neck, the muscles of the neck are so powerful that it, it appears the turtle is jumping at you and it's mm -hmm. not. It's just the momentum of them flinging their head out at you. Right. Um, yeah, they can be very intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've, I've even had them come up beside the, uh, the canoe a few times and you're just like, okay, cause yeah. you just don't when they're know. In the, yeah. When they're in the water, they're just curious. Um, and unfortunately, you know, you've probably had this many times where you have a resident snapper at your campsite. Yep. Have you seen that? Yep. Oh yeah. Really common. And unfortunately that's a result of irresponsible campers, um, who maybe throw their leftover food in the water or take their dishes down without 
you know, getting rid of the extra dregs of spaghetti or what have you. Right. And so the turtles are, they've affiliated people rinsing their dishes in the lake with food. And so if you even take your water pump down to pump water at, at the side of the lake, um, they'll quite often come up. And they, they're completely docile in the water. They're not going to bother you. Um, so I've actually swum with them on the site. Now, to be fair, I've always made a friend watch out <laughs> and uh, tried to sort of keep my distance. But mm-hmm. yeah, they're very unlikely to snap when they're in the water because they don't feel threatened. Yeah, we, we've seen them in the water. We've seen them on our sites. We actually on... Oh, I can't even remember the name of the lake I was on. It was uh, in South Algonquin. Um, mm-hmm. We came across, uh, we were staying on a site, and then we noticed later after we were already there that there was a, a snapping turtle on the shore, and she was laying eggs at the time. Oh, cool. Which was kind of, you know, even at, at our age, we're like, that's really cool to see that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And um, next morning, it was all covered up, and she was nowhere to be found. Excellent. So... Um, so that's a lot of information on turtles mm-hmm. to be sure. Now, uh, you have any, you're obsessed with turtles. So, and you're, <laughs> you're an avid canoeist. Yes. Do you, your, uh, park of choice is Killarney? Yeah, I grew up, my dad took us tripping. My parents took us tripping when uh, we were younger and, and his favorite park was Killarney. So that's become certainly my happy place. I have done Algonquin, um, not nearly as much. Killarney tends to be where I go. Um, and certainly we see a lot of snappers up there. And um, I, it's funny, I, I thought I had never seen a Blandings in the wild. And last year I was looking through some old photo albums um, at some of my trips to Killarney when I was younger. And I, I came across a photo of myself helping a turtle across the road on our way out of the park. And I looked closer at the photo and realized it was a Blandings. <laughs> and I had no idea. I thought I'd been helping a painted turtle. So, um, yeah, certainly you're going to see a lot of them on trips, even in a park like Killarney that is not as well known for its wildlife. Yeah. Um, unusual things you've seen with turtles. Anything? <laughs> Probably the best one. I, I have to tell you the long version of the story because it, it's kind of funny. Um, so... I'm in the Guelph area, and there was another first responder in the Guelph area, and her name was Kristen, so Kirsten and Kristen, and we'd never met. She was a vet student, and I, by then, was a veterinarian, and at one point, there was a ride that was coming for some turtles at her place, and they asked me to bring my patients to her so that they could all go on one trip, and so she invited me in just to bring the turtles down to her basement, and she had an entire wall dedicated to Killarney Provincial Park, and I'm like, hold on a second, we need to talk. <laughs> so we ended up chatting for, gosh, two hours. She so, showed me her canoe. We're now very, very good friends, and we do trips to Killarney together. Or Well, we've also done Kawartha together. Right. So anyhow, um, she had never been to the north end of Killarney, which is the area that I really like because it tends you tend to see fewer people there, and it's just really rugged. And so we went with two friends, so the four girls, and our first night was on Grace Lake. Have you been there? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we were on one of the sites and it was kind of dusk and I'm like, Oh, Oh, Kristen, come here. There's a, there's a turtle. There's a snapper here. And he kind of swam up and I'm like, Oh wait, there's a second one. And we're like, Oh wow. Two snappers in one spot. Like that's really weird. And then we were watching and we're like, Oh, they're mating. (laughs) (laughs) And so we sat there, we must've sat there captivated for probably 10 minutes as they very slowly sank down to the depths of the lake until they couldn't be seen anymore. And my, the other two friends just, they just roll their eyes at us, right? Because really, you guys want to watch this? We're like, oh my God, this is so cool. It's like um, the Discovery so, Channel without TV. That's right. Exactly. 
and I've I've done many trips with friends who don't really they don't have an interest in turtles and I I like to drive them crazy um you know you know seeing if I can touch the shirt, turtle shell when it comes up to say hello and they're like don't touch it and I'm like <laughs> but it's not going to hurt you so yes we do they I do get made a lot of fun of about my turtle obsession uh you know what like it's hey it's when you're out there like seeing a turtle it's for for me it's it's just as great as like seeing a moose come through or a bear or something sure. you know yeah. Um, especially if you see something that's, you know, looks like a dinosaur coming up to you. Oh yeah. You yeah. know, uh, yeah. and of course, you know, when you got the little kids in the canoe and you're going past some logs and there's turtles sunning themselves and they go yeah. absolutely nuts to, to see the turtles and, and whatnot too. Absolutely. It just adds to it. Yeah. We, um, we were on a site in, on Killarney Lake, my best friend and I, um, on a huge trip we did there. And I saw, we had a resident turtle at that site. It was the biggest snapper I've ever seen. It must have been 50 pounds. It was massive. Like, I imagine your hands are bigger than mine. And if you make a fist, its head was easily that size. It was just huge. And it just wanted to look at us. It was hoping that we'd wash our dishes in the lake, which, of course, we did not. Right. Um, But uh, we certainly were watching out for each other while we went swimming. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, didn't you have 10 toes when you went in there? (laughs) Those are not the sites where you go skinny dipping, to be clear. Yes. (laughs) Um, I have even seen um, little turtles come up under snapping turtles in the water because Mm -hmm. leeches apparently have figured out if they attach themselves under basically the turtle's armpits, the turtles can't get them. Huh. Interesting. Well, certainly, yes, we find leeches on the turtle patients all the time, particularly the snappers. Yeah. So that's not surprising. But so the little guys are coming up to feed on the leeches? On the Is leeches. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I've never seen that. That's cool. That's Yeah. And that's that's something that they were, they discuss in uh, Algonquin Park, uh, um, little, they, they do the, the learning things for kids. So you take your, your right. little kids out and, and they have these little, you know, meet the, um, biologist guy and the, the conservation guy and all that. And they talk about the turtles and stuff. And that was one of the things we learned from that was, um, yeah, they, the other turtle will come up and eat the, eat the, the leeches off their armpits. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I'll have to watch for that. I've never seen that. Yeah, yeah. Next time you get it, when you start getting some snappers in, check their armpits. I well, yeah. I that's I don't like leeches very much, so it's not fun pulling them off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we do do that. So we we just keep in our safety kit in the canoe. We keep uh, little packets of of salt we get from various fast food places. Yep, yep. Yeah, it works. Yep. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. That's quite a quite a lot of information we got here. Yeah. Uh, so ontarioturtles.ca is for the Ontario Turtle Conservation Center and yeah. they have a whole bunch of information on what you should do if you come across a, uh, an injured turtle or, um, who you should call and all that sort of stuff. Don't panic, just call and wait for them to call you back and they'll tell you what to yep. do. Exactly. Um, yeah. So we'll pay that. And maybe what we'll do as well is the, because it is the time of year, if they got that video on their site. If it's a YouTube video, I'll, I'll post a link to it on our sure. page. So people can actually see what we're, we're talking about. Cause, um, you know, being a radio thing is uh, different than being a TV thing where they can mm-hmm. actually see it done. Yeah. The, it's the first video I've seen where they really demonstrate the technique well. Right. 
Um, sometimes you can't quite see what the person's doing, but that, that was the best video I've seen of it. So I'll send it to you afterwards. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll put it on our site mm-hmm. or our, fa- our Facebook page. Yeah. Um, and I think that unless you got anything else to add? No, not really. I just I, I want to thank you for allowing me to come on the show. And um, I think that most canoeists like us are conservationists as well. And just know that helping even one individual turtle makes a huge difference. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's great that we can kind of meld those two interests together. It definitely is. And like I say, the more information you get, and you know, because every year we, we see people on the streets and the roads and the highways moving the turtles to the side and you know, and like I say, a little, every little bit helps and you do see the, the injured ones. And sometimes you just sit there thinking, Oh, now what am I going to do? Sort of thing. So yeah, at least we can pe- yeah. point people in the right way. And, and the other thing is people wonder what happens after you report them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Now we know. Exactly. Well, so I will leave you with, um, one of the cool things about helping an injured turtle is if it survives, you can be involved in its release, which is really cool. Oh, Yes, it's it's really neat to get, see them go full circle. Yeah. Or if it's a female and she doesn't survive, quite often they will harvest the eggs and the hatchlings can be released. So again, as a finder, you can be involved in that, which is, I highly recommend it. That would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Now everybody's going to look for, for injured turtles. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> That'd be great. Well, Kirsten, I want to thank you very much for being on uh, our show today. And, My pleasure. Um, Hopefully, uh, we'll actually get up and uh, check out things at the Turtle Conservation Center and uh, see what they do there live and in person. Yes, I, I'd recommend a visit there for sure once COVID's over. Yeah, that's the big one. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you very much for being on. Absolutely. Thank you, Sean. So what did you think of that, Derek? Is there, there was some pretty cool information there. Well, it's fascinating how much you uh, she gets into it, and it's... Uh, for for somebody who does this on a volunteer basis, she's uh, she clearly loves what she's doing. So it's uh, it's it's really an awesome that people do take time out of their normal day to day life to uh, to take care of injured and you know recuperate these animals, right? Well, she definitely loves turtles. I mean, she said that on multiple occasions that turtles were her thing. So yeah, uh, yeah, and you know what? To do this on a volunteer basis and stuff like that, and keep them in her house until they can be picked up and transported yeah. to Peterborough, that's pretty cool. Uh, and yeah, you know what? The the thing about snapping turtles. Um, you know, like I say, the, the, the top of their shells being busted because of cars driving over them. And the thing they do is stand straight up. Like that's wild. eh? that's just, I had no idea that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. You figure they're going to crouch down or whatever, but they don't, which is wild. But you know what? Yeah. Go to Ontario turtles.ca and check out, um, the, the Ontario Turtle Conservation Center and see, see what's there. And hopefully when all this uh, C-19 stuff uh, is done, people can get up there and actually check out the education center they have. Now, I know they like she, she doesn't they don't let you back into the hospital section. Um, yes. But, uh, yeah, you know, you get up there and they got a little area and they, I think they got a couple of turtles there by the sounds of it that, you know, you can go take a peek at. So it's an awesome place for kids to go, that's for sure. Yeah. And if you're making a day and going to the canoe, uh, canoe museum, which is in Peterborough, and uh-huh. you can take time to go to the Ontario Turtle Conservation Center at the same day. See, there's your day there time you for you. And then you do a little <laughs> paddle at the lift locks on the, on the, on the canal. That's your whole day planned for you. When's the new canoe, canoe museum open? Uh, 2000 and something. 
<laughs> awesome. I'm glad you narrowed it down. To I narrowed it down to the century. Period. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometime this millennium. It's 2020 yeah. something. <laughs> oh, man, I can't remember that one. Yeah. Uh, well, you yeah, know I what? It's remember. probably the date's probably right out the window now anyway. Yeah, things are changed, right? Yeah. yeah. So. so anyway, yeah, OntarioTurtles.ca. Check that out and uh, find all the information about turtle conservation and uh, what what they're doing to help the turtles. It's, it is an awesome thing they're doing. Uh, what else? Uh, you got anything else? I don't. I, I think this was a pretty good episode. We, uh, those, those are, um, I, I wasn't there for the interviews, but I think they're two really awesome interviews, and uh, it, uh, it's really nice that we're bringing something like that to our listeners. Well, it was actually job interviews for them because they're both up for your job <laughs> <laughs> so now that i know which ones you liked <laughs> that narrows it down thanks buddy i don't know how i would make it paycheck to paycheck if i didn't have this podcast well job. you know hey and we were, we were going to give you a raise this year you know a 10 percent raise of zero was still <laughs> and considering I, i've not seen any beer come across my desk since this whole c19 thing started <laughs> I, you know, I've thought about having some mail to you. <laughs> oh, Our don't try to suck Sean. up now, buddy. <laughs> I haven't been there since before March break. Yeah, that's been quite the while, eh? Yeah. I am I might actually have to fill up with gas within the next three weeks. Because <laughs> I've been to the, I've been going to, uh, I made one trip to the dump. Yeah. And I've been to Tim Hortons twice. Awesome. Yeah. I'm still driving to work, so I'm using a bit. I've, I am on, I filled up twice since March break. Wow. March 22nd was the last time I filled up my truck. <laughs> wow. That's impressive. And I, yeah. I'm still, <laughs> I'm just under a quarter of a tank now. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Ford Canada, I'd like to thank you on behalf of myself and my gas <laughs> mileage on that Ford F-150. It yeah. is awesome. I'm getting... <laughs> Months to the tank. Months to the tank. <laughs> Thanks, Ford Canada. <laughs> if anybody's looking for an awesome gas, gas non-guzzling truck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, maybe we can get a... Maybe the podcast could be sponsored by Ford now. Yeah. We have, we have mentioned them. We've mentioned, yeah. Yeah, so they owe us money now. <laughs> I wonder if we could do that. Just name companies and then send them a bill because we named them in our podcast. We've been doing that with beer since day one, and nobody's ever sponsored us. Yeah, but have we been sending them bills? This is true. Yeah. We, we mentioned haven't... your name on the podcast. That'll be two, be two beers, please. <laughs> have them mailed too, or just drop them off, whatever. Yeah. We're not proud. We don't care. We got to get on top of this. Because yeah, next week is just our our show is going to be three hours long, and I'm just going to be naming people. <laughs> R E I Dick Sporting Goods. <laughs> yeah, Colorado, Colorado River uh, Conservation Areas. All there that sort of go. stuff, right? I'll just make stuff up and hope it hits. Yeah. <laughs> Bob's free stuff. Um. <laughs> Yeah, if that's all you've got, that's all I've got. I think that was uh, that's about it. Awesome. So, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download our shows or stream them 
on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Player FM, and all your podcast downloading sites. If you enjoyed the podcast, as we always say, please share it with your friends and family. And, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Thanks, everybody, for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. <laughs>